Welcome to the King's Crowd Startup Podcast, keeping you in tune with the online private markets and empowering everyone to become a venture capitalist. I'm your host, John O'Reilly, King's Crowd CMO, and joining me is King's Crowd founder and CEO, Chris Lestrino, and our very special guest, Eric Cox. Eric is the head of West Coast Initiatives at equity crowdfunding platform, Net Capital, where he's helping to lead the charge toward expanding participation in the online private markets. He joins us today from his home in Los Angeles, California. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Sean. Nice to see you again, Chris. Yeah, great to see you too. We're, uh, we're very, very happy to uh, have you on the show today. Um, this is something I've wanted to do for a while. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait to talk more about Net Capital and uh, what you guys are up to over there. Well, thanks for letting me join. I watched your last podcast and immediately was texting you, uh, Chris, to say, hey, Dibs, I want to get in next. So thanks for welcoming me on. <laughs> we no, got a growing not. following. This is cool. <laughs> yeah, so Eric, uh, listen, I, I think the first thing would be just great to start off with. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, and then if you want to give us kind of the, the little, you know, one minute pitch on Net Capital, what makes you guys unique in the uh, online private market space? I'd love that. Yeah, um, yeah, it'd be my pleasure too. So Eric Cox here, uh, born and raised in Los Angeles and Orange County. I went to undergrad out here, uh, proud Pepperdine wave, uh, and then took a trip from the West Coast to the Midwest uh, to see what real cold felt like. So I spent three years in Ann Arbor uh, at Michigan Law School, loved my time there. Um, yep, yep, saw negative 20 degrees and, and survived it. So I really earned my stripes. Um, <laughs> And I had already been, you know, been bit by the entrepreneurial bug before law school, created uh, some medical software with my brother um, before, you know, between undergrad and grad school, but, you know, really kind of dove all the way in at Michigan. So I uh, worked for three venture funds out there, one of them student-led. Uh, so we were just deploying University of Michigan capital into the Michigan community, which was an amazing experience. Um, and then came back to, uh, to California post-graduation and practiced uh, at Cooley and Palo Alto in their headquarters doing mostly emerging companies, venture capital, uh, M&A and, and capital markets did some pretty fun deals. And then um, my best friend from law school, Rob Burnett, uh, he went straight to Techstars. And then when Techstars invested in Net Capital, uh, he joined Net Capital and he was telling him about this really cool platform that they were developing and how people were going to be able to invest online. And uh, so I was tracking it the whole time he was there. And about a year into it, uh, he, you know, he convinced me to make the leap and I joined to expand from our best from the Boston headquarters uh, out west and try to bring some some West Coast deals onto the platform. Very, very cool. So wow. you did a bit now. Uh, curious to hear, could you mention a few of the, the types of companies at least that you've helped kind of bring to uh, the marketplace? Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things I love about Boston and California that they share is incredible university systems. So um, we've had the good pleasure of working with the UC system, some of the private schools around here. Um, and, and that really is some of the best and brightest in the world and helping those companies gain access to capital is so important to me. Um, I also really target, you know, there, there are some phenomenal veteran founders out here with Camp Pendleton nearby. Uh, there are incredible uh, lead di diverse companies with female founders leading the charge and, and minority uh, com led companies leading the charge. So really kind of trying to find any exciting uh, relatable technology, sometimes B2C, sometimes B2B, but generally high tech, high growth. But even that is, is not uh, necessary. We've, we've raised capital for, uh, for, for, for an, a, you know, a tequila brand, a tequila company. So, um, you know, it doesn't have to be high tech, high growth. Those are only requirements. Right Don't put yeah. tequila. Those are really hot right now. <laughs> I mean, you Was feel like a rock star. Brand? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. Um, I mean, it's you feel like a rock star being able to own a piece of your own alcohol brand. That's pretty cool. That was usually reserved for a, a, a you know kind of a powerful minority of people. 
Um, but no, really the only requirements are that you're private. Um, and, um, and, and, and so, and, and so we're happy to work with a lot of different companies. That's really cool. Yeah. What, what was it? Um, Patron, was it Patron that George Clooney was invested in? I forget which one sold for like $600 million. It's a name. Yeah. Hold on. It, it, somewhere around. Like, I'm going to find it. Diageo or something. I thought it was tequila. Um, I have to ask you, you know, there's so many marketplaces and we get to know all of them pretty intimately from doing all of our data and research uh, and analysis on the market. We'd love to hear what you think is kind of unique about the net capital platform. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there were a couple of things that were just critical for me to join. And, and I really think I, I took, I came at it from a venture capital perspective. There were things that I thought would welcome a platform into the VC space. And I think those have helped us really um, ingratiate ourselves up on the accredited investors as well as our non-accredited investors. So you know, I always start off, you know, just like VC, the team, the team is everything. Our fearless leader, Jason Frischman, our CEO, um, incredibly articulate, very bright guy. Um, you know, he kind of entered the space from a unique background and, uh, and, um, and he's a science background, neuroscience specifically, uh, but he just takes such an incredibly analytical approach to our business. And he's very methodical and thoughtful. And I appreciate that as a as, a, as my wife would say, if she's being nice, she would say I'm type A. If she wasn't nice, she would say something else. Um, so <laughs> I think I started with the team from the top down. Uh, our chief compliance officer is a former executive at Ernst & Young. Our chief operating officer, a former general counsel of Bank of America Asset Management. You know, obviously, my buddy Rob um, and myself from Michigan Law School. We really just, I think our team is incredibly strong. Um, and that's one thing that makes, makes, us, makes us unique. Um, but second to that, I, I think it's the technology. Uh, the tech is special. We, when, I, when I look at things that would get in the way of venture deals, one of the first things that came to mind was a cluttered cap table. And I just love that from the very beginning, we use strategic, legal, and technological know-how uh, to be able to structure it so that whether you raise from one investor or a thousand investors, you only add one line to your cap table. Incredibly important for me coming from the venture space. Um, and then there are a couple other features that I really love as well. That's really cool. Yeah, I I know it's so funny. I don't think there's a venture capitalist I've met with when I tell them that we have 2,100 investors who doesn't like, you know, lose their breath for a minute and go like, I'm never coming near this business. And then I tell them, but just so you know, it's just one line item on the cap table. It's actually probably less clutter in the cap table than your line item would be with a couple of other people joining. And they're like, they're blown away. They're stunned. And they're like, this, what? <laughs> That's amazing. And then the whole conversation changes. So um, it's so great that you guys noticed that early on, because I know that was something that just didn't exist in the market. It was a real hindrance for a lot of companies. Um, and one of the other cool things that I, I think you do is you kind of focus on, on straight equity, right? Common equity. Um, and I know there's some various reasons why you do that. Can, can you talk to a little bit about why your approach is focusing on equity rather than these convertible notes and safes that a lot of companies will use? Absolutely. Absolutely. So some portals are offering uh, revenue bonds and convertible notes and safe instruments, et cetera. Um, and they, they can be pretty hard to understand. Um, and we insist on easy to understand equity, uh, that be common stock or membership units. We can work with corporations and LLCs. Um, and and, there, and there, there are a few really important reasons. One of them is we just believe that real shareholders are mobilized differently. Uh, I, I mentioned that tequila company, they raised from a couple hundred investors and one of their asks was that each investor, when they're checking out at the grocery store or the liquor store, just ask if they carry that brand. Please just, just yep. ask if they have that product. And it was such a cool experience to be able to have these equity holders incentivized properly 
to go out of their way and just add one little thing to their agenda. And they were, and they were able to actually get into some locations, but with, with the support of their investor base. So I think, you know, incentivizing your, your investors properly is important. You know, revenue bonds, they're eventually paid off. And then you're kind of just renting that investor for a little while, <laughs> you know, technically. And so eventually you just don't have that value anymore, but equity holders really do have that value uh, for the long run. And then, you know, one other reason that was really important to us, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, is that we prefer equity and that there is a way to trade those shares um, because funding portal has a relationship with a company that allows you to buy and sell the securities after the initial offering. Um, that really only works well with equity. That's really cool. And this is a very, very big thing, having this feature that allows for buying and selling of shares that are transacted um, on the platform with this third party. Um, and I know, you know, John, we, we've, we've raised money on net capital and we've seen it work. We've seen people be able to, to actually trade those shares and buy and sell. And it's amazing. And I can't tell you how many people have actually added on to their investment because they get our quarterly update. And then I just get this notice from them a week later, saw the quarterly update. I'm so excited about the business. I was able to buy a few more shares on the secondary transfer feature. And I'm just, that makes me so happy as a founder to know that people can continue to be involved. Um, it, it's a, it's such a powerful and needed thing in this space. So totally get that. And I, I think it's a wonderful thing that you guys have done and really have led the way in doing that. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> we've done it from the very beginning. Every deal that we've worked with has some of that transferability built in. We think one of the, one of the important reasons for it, and, and thanks for that experience, Chris, um, was that, you know, venture capitalists include a lot of control terms in their preferred shares. But if you go to the core of why those control terms are built in, it really kind of comes around security and certainty and de-risking. And, yeah. and one of the riskiest things about private investments is that you, you, once you invest, you, you're pretty much locked in until exit. Um, and so we were like, let's get rid of liquidation preferences. Let's get rid of pro rata rights. Let's, let's get rid of all the protections that are really just a proxy for your inability to sell those shares and just open it up for them to sell. And then you don't need all those protections built in. Um, so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really glad you had a positive experience with it, Chris. I, that was one of the determining factors. It, from my perspective, it's almost the most preferred type of share. Uh, the fact that you have control of when you buy and sell those shares. Um, and obviously nothing's perfect, but I think we're seeing some really wonderful developments in the market that are leading it to be a very attractive thing. And now that people see that it actually works, I know that it intrigues investors that we already have because they know that in their back pocket, you know, they want to hold on for five or 10 years, but if they can't, because life changes, they can actually adapt to the situation um, and do something about it. Life changing, uh, 2020, you know, we're in 2021 now, but it looks like uh, 2020 is rolling into it. Life changing and being able to adapt is an incredibly important part of the process. And, and one other thing that's interesting is um, certain investor groups, um, this, is, this, is, this is make or break for them to get involved. Um, I think about the professional athletes that we've been able to work with uh, here in Los Angeles. They know that they're one injury away from needing their capital back. Um, and having that ability to be able to sell is an important feature of being able to mobilize them enough to get past uh, the, the level of being comfortable to invest. So yeah, the, it's, it's really, really exciting. That's awesome. I almost think of uh, this world and I, I'm really glad people are getting to, to meet you Eric, because, you know, as head of West Coast Initiatives, you're finding and sourcing these deals. And obviously you're an open marketplace, right? It, whoever wants to come and join that marketplace, that's great. But you're helping to find those deals, educate them on why this is a unique opportunity to raise capital and getting them onto the platform. And from my perspective, it's almost like you're kind of the brains behind this open source VC, you know, deal flow. Uh, and you're bringing that to kind of the mass market, which I, I think is really unique. 
Um, so tell us a little bit about um, the experience you had during 2020. I mean, it was a record year for Net Capital, I know. Um, tell us how you know COVID kind of impacted that and, and some of the, the bright spots that you saw uh, because of this whole craziness. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a wild year. And, and I really want to be incredibly thoughtful and sensitive about this. Most of my family <clears throat> is medical. Um, so I mentioned my brother and I created medical software. My brother's a physician. He's a he's chief resident now and applying for his GI fellowship. Um, my dad is a 25-year board certified GI. I know people who are very much on the front lines with this pandemic. So I don't, uh, don't want to lose track of how bad of a year 2020 really was. Um, and so I always want to say that first. Um, you know, there, there have been some silver linings, though, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, one of which is that we saw uh, the Reg CF space double in size um, from 100 million in 2019 to 200 million in 2020. So what I think about when I think about those metrics, and this really is just the beginning, this, uh, we just celebrated our four year anniversary of the entire uh, Reg CF space, right, uh, in, in 2020. And five years ago, when we were talking to our clients and advising them, we said no non-accredited investors. They get a rescission right. They can ask for their money back. It tanks the entire investment pool, right? That was, that was the narrative and that was correct at the time. And so there's been so much education that's had to go into the last four years to be able to move people from don't even consider it to there is, you have to be thoughtful and do it the right way. Um, but I'm grateful to see that 2020 really has, 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 has kind of shown that the education is working. People do want this. Um, increasing access to capital is working, um, and I'm grateful for it. But you know, just kind of broad strokes, we, we, we were we were concerned. We weren't sure how the pandemic would affect uh, the business. We, there were thoughts that the, the market might be countercyclical, um, and what we saw was that you know investors were interested in trying to create value. Um, and when you when you see the public capital markets having some trouble, it makes other you know high risk asset classes look relatively less risky. Um, so we did see quite a bit of increase in investment volume, um, increased investor metrics. And so we're really grateful for where we are um, in, in the ecosystem. Do you have any interesting stats you could publicly share with us about some of the progress you made in 2020? Because I know that capital really took some leaps and bounds in terms of, uh, you know, user investments and whatnot. Yeah, so I, I'm very, <clears throat> I'm very grateful. One of the major exciting things that happened in 2020 was net capital merged with a small public company. Um, and so we are, you know, we are, we are very thoughtful about the, the users. Was that an SPAC? <laughs> uh, it was not. I know. No, I know. The SPAC is the, that, that's, that's a new, exciting, uh, very exciting special purpose acquisition companies are, are new. No, it wasn't like that. Um, but you know, we, it, was, it, was, it, was a, it was a very strategic merger and we are so excited for um, the growth that we've been able to accomplish with Net Capital Advisors now um, and NCPL trading. Um, so, so I will not be able to go into specific, uh, specific metrics, but I do encourage anybody listening to this, uh, to, to tune into our next earnings report. Uh, we just had one in December and we'll have another one, um, at, I believe in March. The ticker is NCPL. Is that the ticker? Yeah, that's correct. Check it I out. just picked it up here. Uh, yeah, it's over the counter, but NCPL is the, uh, and it's net capital link. There you are. And of course, I'll go and say this is not legal, financial, tax, or advice. I'm not recommending uh, specific investments. Uh, all those good things that I, that I should say right there. We're just saying you're on Yahoo Finance. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, Eric, I was wondering um, as you were going over uh, just you know the last four years, and um, uh, when you so you talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, and you're talking about the merits of using a capital raise money as opposed to going to a better capitalist or that. Can you think of a time? like even like a, a date or the ballpark where 
just the body language and the tone change from, you know, when you, when you're like, Hey, listen, this is what net capital does. And when people are like, Oh, that's weird. Or they're talking about the cap table or like, Oh, that, I'm not doing that. So being open-minded, like when to start people start becoming more open-minded. And when I say people, I mean, entrepreneurs about what net capital offers. Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, I think it was actually a pretty gradual shift. I think about when Rob and I, uh, we're traveling to Denver and Boulder. Um, we're, you know, we're Techstars Investments. We work closely with them and, and, and sitting in on those demo days. This is and, like five years ago? Uh, no, this, this is about two, two and a half years ago. Oh, okay. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, you know, you're sitting in on these VC panels and every once in a while they'll throw us a bone and let us come in and participate and we'll talk to people. Um, but I don't know if there was, a, there was a singular shift, but I do know as we start to get through some of the information, it starts to become more and more compelling. What I'm really excited about is seeing uh, the new age VCs get excited about it. There are some, especially um, B2C venture funds here in LA and, other, and elsewhere uh, that are saying, hey, if you can go mobilize your users, if you can go get your customers to invest and you can show that they love it so much that they want to own a small piece, that'll be an important metric on our decision of, to invest or not. And I just think that's so exciting. And some people, some investors are, are trying to syndicate deals. Um, you essentially de-risk. Uh, you know, they have a half a million bucks. If you can spread the other half a million across a couple hundred investors, that, then, then that makes the deal make more sense. So I think over time, more and more investors are getting open to it. Uh, maybe not as quickly as we'd like them to. We feel like we're, we're, we, we don't bite. We'd like to work more closely with the, the institutions. Um, but we, we we definitely are seeing a sea change um, from the company side. And I think it's just better and better companies are raising capital. Um, and that really just tells the market that this is, this is not a, a niche nuance thing. This is a really cool opportunity for companies that are set up for it. And you know, I talk about the one line on the cap table and I talk about some of the other technological features with the, with the, uh, the buying and selling. And I talk about a rolling close. That's actually a really important technological feature that I love about net capital is that let's say you're targeting a million dollar raise, um, you, you know, a month in, if you have half of that, you can actually release those funds from escrow and start using them. You basically get to have your cake and eat it too, where you're raising capital and either building product or marketing or growing, uh, growing internally. You don't have to feel the pressure to close the round early so you can access the capital. Like these are really entrepreneur founder friendly terms that we've built into the tech. And so it, it, it becomes harder to deny that, that this is a viable option. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we've experienced it ourselves. So to the, to the disbursement thing that you're mentioning, you know, basically along the way, you can take chunks of capital out of the raise and there's a notice period and all that stuff for investors. Um, but we ourselves utilize it. And it was kind of interesting, you know, when we we're getting started with our million dollar pre-seed round, um, we were still early, early days. It was still a lot of ideas and it was a lot of having to believe in the ideas. And I remember I raised the first, you know, 300K probably over the first few months of the raise and it wasn't, you know, moving that quickly, but we deployed that 300K, we took it out. We started working on all of the tech developments we wanted. We made an acquisition, we, we did all these things. And then the story suddenly became really compelling. And those people that were giving me a thousand, two thousand dollars suddenly were giving us 25, 50,000. We ended up selling out the round in like six weeks, the last 700,000, not even. And it was unbelievable how quickly it moved. But it was because I had that progress point to, to speak to and say, actually, remember when I said we were going to do this? We already did it. And here's where we're headed. Um, and so it got that buy in. They no longer had to just believe, they could actually see it, you know, and, and that, was, that was a pretty powerful tool. So uh, definitely a valuable thing being able to disperse these funds and 
you could kind of always be raising it. They say you should always be raising anyway. So it's a, it's a good way of doing that. Yeah. I, I, that's one of the things I love about King's crowd is uh, our relationship together and your ability to really leverage the technology technology correctly. And that's what we want. That's why we built these products. That's why, you know, everything that we've done has been very intentional to support the entrepreneur and the investor. And so it's so great to see you be able to use that. And that's really why we thought it made sense to build um, every, we're still a startup serving startups. We like to say, right. We're, we're early stage. Um, and so every, every decision when it comes to engineering resources is very calculated. And so it was so great to see you use that the exact right way and have some positive uh, results from it. So I love that. So what do we have on the uh, on the docket for 2021? And maybe I should step back here. Today's a really big day. So we're taping this on the 14th of January. We'll probably release this in a couple of days here. But uh, today was a really, really big day for uh, Reg CF. Eric, why don't you uh, kind of walk us through that? Absolutely. Today <laughs> I could not have been a better day. On this one for our listeners. We're very <laughs> we sorry. Did. We really buried the lead on this. <laughs> we really did. We really did. I mean, what a day to be recording this. Could not be a better day. It, it's January 14th. Uh, the SEC voted on November 2nd um, to increase, to make some really kind of fundamental changes to regulation crowdfunding um, and A plus and other regulations in Title III of the Jobs Act. So they updated to kind of better. Um, to, to, to allow the market to better serve uh, the, the people, the players in the space. And so one of the big changes, uh, and, and today was the day that they published these changes in the federal register. So there's a 60 day clock from today. So March 15th, these rules will go into effect, uh, but they did some really impactful things. So we, we, we initially, the, the maximum that a company could raise through regulation crowdfunding was $1 million. And then they adjusted for inflation and increased that to $1,070,000. That's where we were uh, up until the vote on November 2nd. And now that maximum is moving from 1,070,000 to $5 million. We, we are incredibly excited about how many more startups we can serve uh, because some companies just need more than a million dollars. Uh, but 5 million really covers a lot of bases. For That's some inflation so right there, huh? That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <what's> inflation. <laughs> so... That's crazy. And, and the, the, the million seventy, I mean, you know, we were, we were hampered by it. We haven't been able to raise because March 13th of last year, we had basically tapped out at a million dollars. Um, and we were kind of waiting on these rules to change if we want to be able to partake in CF again. Um, but now that you could do 5 million, I mean, you could just go so much further. And it seemed like when we got to a million, that was kind of the number for investors where they went, okay, they have enough money to really do some damage. Then I started getting all these inquiries after we were closed and we were full up and they're like, can I invest? And I'm like, well, now you can't. <laughs> I have that max raise of 5 million. It's, oh man, I'm so happy about it. There are so many good things that came from it. I, I joke around and I feel like, you know, we're a relatively new industry, as I mentioned. We celebrated our four-year anniversary of, of regulation crowdfunding in 2020. Um, and I felt like we were kind of on probation the whole time. They were kind of just looking to see, like, we want to increase access to capital, but we're concerned about anybody being taken advantage of. Um, mm -hmm. and, the, and the four year report came out and there were zero instances of fraud, right? Nobody's out here taking advantage uh, of people uh, from, from the records. And so we were very excited to see that. And, and it really felt like they, were, they, they, they took that information and they went back and they said, okay, now that you sh you've shown yourself uh, reasonable to be able to manage the 1 million, Here's five million for you, and there were a couple really other important increases as well. Uh, Reg A plus increased from fifty million to seventy five million. Um, I, you know, I think that's slightly less significant, just because if you're already going for a fifty million round, you know, you know that that's kind of that's pretty substantial amount of capital. But nonetheless, you know, Reg CF up say. to five million. 
Uh, investment limits will not apply to accredited investors. You don't know how, I mean, accredited oh, investors wow. were, were capped still despite being, despite their accredited status and non-accredited investors will shift their uh, equation uh, to the greater of the percentage of their income and net worth before it was the lesser. And so there were instances where investors were, um, let's say retired and they have a relatively high net worth, but they aren't earning a whole bunch of income at this time and they were capped by that income. And so being able to, uh, to account for the greater of those two, we're, I think we're going to really see uh, greater access to capital. We are just so grateful uh, that, uh, that the regs were finally published and we have a, a very specific date on the line in March 15th to go to raise $5 million for these companies. Yeah, right before the, uh, the birthday of Reg CF, which is pretty cool. And uh, what, May 16th, it will be the five-year birthday of CF. I, yep, I believe that's right. I believe that's right. Yep. So it's all, it feels so, like the stars are aligning a little bit. Uh, last thing we got to discuss here is this $5 million increase. Is this what rockets the industry to maturity? Because when I heard that, when Chris first told me, and then like, you know, we kind of went nuts the day of in, uh, in our company Slack, um, to me, there's not that many startups that can't get going with up to $5 million. Um, I just looked up Peter Thiel's first investment in 2004 in Facebook was $500,000. That was for 10% of Facebook. Um, <laughs> I, what, you know what I mean? So like, you, could he have done that through an equity crowdfunding raise on a net capital? Like this, that, that, that very well could be the future. So is this the thing that separates, you know, oh, they're the, the, the guys that we throw them a bone at conferences in, in Boulder, like you're saying, Eric, or is this, is this the line where it's like, okay, this is a real thing now? I and if think, not, what is? Yeah, right. I think this is about as significant of an, an improvement in the regs as there could have been. I know there were some really big securities attorneys in California uh, lobbying to increase the maximum to 3 million just in California. They were just going to say, hey, we will only be able to raise from California investors, wow. but let's make the regs that you can that you can get to three million here. And the fact that they went straight to five million uh, kind of, you know, <laughs> worldwide across the United States, um, that that is I think that's an incredibly impactful signal to the market that this is real and it should be and it, and it should be considered. You know, it should be considered so. Um, but I also think it really allows different companies to get involved. So I, I want to say, I still love all my children equally. I love the company that just needs $100,000. I'm happy to try to work with you and see if we can get you that first hundred, right? Chris, you, you've been there when you just needed a hundred. Yep. Um, I love the company that just needs that first quarter million, that first million. Um, but I am excited to see though, there are some companies that we've spoken with that 1 million just wouldn't have moved the needle enough. And so I'm really, I'm really excited to be able to welcome in those larger companies uh, to the five million, and I and I and I'm not in the prediction business. We just wrapped up an election, so I'm not. I'm still in the non-predicting space. Um, <laughs> but I do suspect that um, you know there, the 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 Series A level investment might change substantially because if you're already at that level where you're raising five million, you 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 probably have some users. You probably, you might have some customers. Yeah. You, you know, we we were able to work with some fundraisers that had a couple thousand customers and they were able to raise a million dollars really quickly in, in, in a day. Uh, so uh, if you have that traction already, this, this really could be an, an, an important part of your fundraise. I think you're right. And I've even heard from, um, from venture funds as we talk about their adoption of this space a bit. 
Um, I've had several who, after talking with us, they go, you know, I have a few portfolio companies that might just fit this profile perfect because they're consumer, whatever, whatever they think is compelling to the audience. And they're like, this is a real opportunity. You know, we did their seed round. It was a 2 million seed round, but if they could do a 5 million A, like this makes all the sense in the world. And before it didn't. And before, you know, there was an SPV, there was all these reasons why they didn't want to do it. But yeah. the is, their eyes are kind of opening up and they're saying, wait a minute, there's something here. Capital is commodity. If we could almost keep more control of the company and just bring in, you know, fans and people who love this business, well, shoot, that's, that's as good a plan as any. Yeah, and you talk about direct to consumer, but also I think the five million will also have an incredibly important impact on uh, hardware and um, mechanical engineering back with that companies like those capital intensive companies that really couldn't get off the they ground with a million. Point. But yeah, five million is, is going to be important if you're really capital intensive. So I think you're totally right. I think it's going to help get you know there there's some really um, there are only a few, but there are some um, you know hardware investors that I think are looking at this very carefully. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, it's going to be a fun year. There's no doubt about that. Thank you, Eric. Really appreciate you joining us here. Thanks again for Always. your time, Eric. It was awesome. Oh, 100% my pleasure. Anytime, Chris. Keep up the good work at King's Crowd. I'm a huge fan and subscriber, obviously. Um, and Sean, it's a pleasure to, to speak to you as well. I look forward to post-pandemic safely meeting in person uh, in the Bay or the Southland. Looking forward to sure. it. It'll be fun. Take care, everyone. And that is it for us, folks. If you'd like to learn more about Net Capital and its offerings, just go to netcapital.com. And to learn more about King's Crowd's ratings and analytics capabilities, please visit us at kingscrowd.com. For Eric Cox and Chris Destrino, I'm Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening.